Hello, and welcome to What in Tar Nation, Tar Heel Blog's hot take podcast. On this episode, we're welcoming the newest Tar Heel, Caleb Love, and giving a brief preview of the Georgia Tech game this weekend. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me as always is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, how excited are you about Caleb Love? I am super excited. We kind of saw this one coming for a little bit, um, just within the last week or so, and been just hoping that we weren't going to be surprised. So I'm very happy right now, and yeah, this is only the beginning. This is Roy Williams' third five-star player in this class, which ties his most five stars ever in a class, most recently coming with Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, and Justin Jackson. And Brandon, there's at least a pretty good chance that Roy Williams could have his best class ever with four, with a lot of outstanding offers still on the table. Yeah, the biggest among them is still Kate Cunningham, which all the analysts are making that situation sound really, really interesting. Like, I keep trying to think, oh, no, he's probably going to Oklahoma State. I know that there's a lot of hype built in, built up around UNC probably having a good chance, but, you know, he's probably going there, but it just keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up. And that's where my intrigue grows a little bit, even though I try to keep it down. Um, things have also been going well with Zaire Williams. And there, there are some others too. Um, so it's just – it's this is one of the most interesting recruiting uh, classes that I think we've had in a while in terms of what we already have and what we can expect in the future. And in case the listeners are not up to date on the Cade Cunningham saga, Oklahoma State hired Cunningham's brother to be on their staff. And I think everyone looked at that and thought, well, he's sort of a guarantee for Oklahoma State then. However, he hasn't committed, so anything is still on the table, it would seem. And it seemed like he had a really good time in Chapel Hill over the weekend. Hopefully things heat up in our direction. But, I mean, I don't think anybody would be surprised if he ultimately does end up at Oklahoma State, but... You're in it until you're not in it anymore, and, and Carolina's still in it. Yeah, and at this point, the the really good thing about Caleb Love committing is Cade Cunningham is now more of a luxury than a necessity. UNC really needed somebody to step in and fill in Cole Anthony's shoes when he goes off to the NBA. Um, so now we have that, and so if – Cunningham does come to UNC. Ideally, he's going to end up at the shooting guard spot, which if he doesn't come, that's kind of fine because one would have to hope that Anthony Harris would be able to step into that spot and do a pretty good job as well. Um, Obviously, when you have somebody of Cunningham's caliber, you would prefer to have that on your side as well, but it's no longer like a need um yeah it's just we just gotta hope that we can get that for once basically and i mean the momentum has really shifted over the last couple of weeks because it went from feeling like daron sharp committed eight years ago 
and being kind of the only player for the 2020 class to surprisingly picking up Walker Kessler, who everyone thought was going to Duke, and now Caleb Love committing and still having, you know, at least positive stuff out there surrounding the other five stars that have offers from UNC. I feel like a lot has changed and, you know, suddenly they're looking at quite possibly the best recruiting class in 2020. And that was all coming after, you know, I think we talked about a few podcasts ago, people saying that it would either be boom or bust. It's it's looking super, super boom right now. Yeah. I think even if you get a couple four stars right now, it's boom. It's a 110% boom. It's just how loud that boom is going to be by the time everything's said and done. I mean, three five-star players is tied with Duke right now in terms of commits. And I think Kentucky might have the number one class right now, if I remember correctly. So they're likely in the top three. I cannot confirm that that's true, but as it looks right now, that's probably about where UNC is going to sit. So it's just, it's crazy. It's it's a great time. I feel like everything's come full circle because after Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, and Justin Jackson's class, all that investigation stuff just hurt recruiting so badly. And now just there's things happening at other programs. There's things that aren't happening to UNC. And I think people are starting to actually, like Roy Williams is fighting a fair fight now. And now we're seeing the fruits of that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is the first time where the investigation being really and truly behind us is coming out in like a quantifiable way. Um, I know that the last few recruiting classes have not been terrible by any means. I mean, Carolina's gotten Kobe White and Nasir Little, and and that is certainly nothing to sneeze at. But it's it's hard to deny that the classes weren't what they once were, and it seems like now things are finally starting to get back to the way we're used to seeing them. And I mean, this could be Roy Williams's best class ever. I mean, he's never had a class of four or five star recruits. And, and that seems, if not likely, at least extremely possible. And that's really exciting. Yeah. I just don't – and I really don't remember the last time that we were set up in such a manner going into the fall of a particular recruiting – kind of like a recruiting period to where we're like, we're good. I mean – not to say that things should stop here, but usually by this time we're worrying about who we might actually get because and being having this fear of having depth issues because not that many people have recruited yet, or if they have, it's not really what has happened at this current moment. Um, having three five stars sets you up in a position where it's just like we're in good shape, we can keep pushing. Roy's going to keep doing his job and everything's just looking up. I just, it's, this is the most optimistic recruiting class 
in so long. I I know I'm rambling, but I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I mean, I think it's also just really nice that we're getting this out of the way super early because I feel like the last few recruiting classes, we've really had to sweat out announcements very late in the year. Yeah. Uh, I know, like Cole Anthony kind of kept us on our seats for a while. Um, they all can't be Kobe White who just like commits and um, what was it like two days after he received his offer? Yeah. Um, I wish they could all be that way so that we wouldn't have to sit around and uh, wonder and, and worry. But I feel like the worry part is not really a thing with this class just because I mean, Hey, we have, three five-star recruits already committed. And and that's like a pretty safe feeling. Like the rest of what happens is kind of gravy. Um, but hopefully that gravy ends up being very full of five stars as well. Yeah. And I will say if there's one thing that I do hope that they get with just whoever they pick up next – they really need somebody at the wing because B-Rob's senior, so he's going to be gone soon. Justin Pierce, he's only here for one year. Um, yeah, they just need a wing. I, I don't really – Zaire Williams would fit that role, and I think that's where they're set up really nicely. Um, but if they can't get him, they really need to look at how they can – navigate that situation i mean leaky should be able to do that i mean probably would do that i shouldn't say that like that's a questionable thing but also it's like who's next after him though right and i mean do you think that zaire williams is um more likely than Cade cunningham at this point more likely, but it's still a sketchy situation because I don't feel good about West Coast recruits right. just because of what's happened over the last few years with different programs and kids deciding that they don't want to live that far away from home during their college stay and things like that. I mean, if he has serious NBA aspirations, it shouldn't matter, in my opinion. But also, he's a high school kid. And by the time he goes to whatever college, he's going to be 18. Like, there's a reality to the situation that I cannot sit here and say what a kid should or shouldn't do in terms of where they decide to live. Because we've all been there. Being away from home is hard when you go to college. So, um, yeah, I would just say more likely, but still not a lock. And, of course, Carolina fans are probably still – a little bit scarred from the Ware twins and that whole West Coast saga. So understandably still a sore spot. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, um, as we've been talking about, this is just, it's a huge momentum booster. They got a good one. Um, Love is a, he's another score first point guard. So Roy's just keeping that trend going. Um, the kid has a pretty decent wingspan on him. They say that he's really good defensively, um, has good shot from three, 
Um, they say you should be really good in the pick and roll. So it's basically within the realms of what's been happening with or what happened with Kobe White and what will probably happen with Cole Anthony. Um, I mean, of course, the talent levels are going to fluctuate, but you can at least count on somebody that's going to be able to fit that skill set somehow. And I think that's important to kind of keep that going. The point guard classes have been really good for UNC. So it's good to see that it's kind of expected to go into more like good hands as far as that goes, because I feel like we set the bar super high with Kobe and that should continue with Cole Anthony. And and it seems like it'll continue with Caleb Love too. Yeah. The only concern that I have in terms of what fans may expect when it gets into next year, assuming we don't get Cade Cunningham. I mean, even if we do, honestly, like as far as a point guard spot goes, there's likely going to be a drop off unless there's something very surprising that happens. Um, Just because of who Cole Anthony, I'm sorry. We're just going to think positively. We are, but I'm I'm also not saying that in a bad way. It's just one of those things where, like, for example, Duke had Zion Williamson. No matter who came after him, it was going to be a drop off. But yeah, not all drop offs are bad, but um, it'll just be one of those things where we'll have to recalibrate ourselves a bit, but that's not taking anything away from love. Cause I'm really excited for him. Yeah. I think just having that excitement back about like what Roy Williams is capable of. And, you know, it was through no fault of his own that things kind of took a downtick. Um, it's, it's hard to make up a lot of ground when people are basically in recruits ears being like, you're not going to get to play in the NCAA tournament. If you go to Carolina, you don't want to do that. Um, so I think a lot of people, at least people that put their opinions online, were starting to like whisper a little bit about like Roy Williams losing his touch. And I think that this very much proves that all of that was crap. Not that we didn't know that it was crap, but they're going to have a very hard time rationalizing those really bad opinions when, I mean, he could very easily have his best recruiting class ever. Yeah. And I think we do have to give some credit to the current players too, because we've talked about it before. Armando Baycott has been our director (laughs) of recruiting. Yeah. He really has. And we were talking about Cole Anthony the last podcast. I mean, he seems like he really loves UNC already and has been very vocal about it. And I just, when you get kids that are willing to be that aggressive about their passion for the school, I think that also presents a bigger draw to some of the kids too. And that's not to say that hasn't been there before, but I think it's just been that prevalent this time so that's definitely had an impact as well yeah i mean baycott has been already super valuable to the program because that dude is like always on twitter 
tweeting at some recruits being like, you, 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 let's go. And all of that is like super fun to me because it seems like they love being Tar Heels as much as we love being Tar Heel fans. So it's easy to see why a recruit would buy into like that environment. And we talked last time about the whole like family aspect and how like it was kind of shown in a very like clear way uh, at late night where it's like, it's not just something that people say, it's like actually something that exists and you can see it Um, having the players buy into that and, and sort of do some of that work for us is always really helpful. So the two things combined, I think, have done a lot toward getting us to this point. And I also feel like success kind of breeds success. So the fact that Walker Kessler took that leap and committed, um, I feel like that was sort of like the first domino in a line of dominoes. And we all know that like, especially if you're only going to be around one year, you you want to go somewhere you can win. And if you see that the tide is going a certain way, then you want to jump on that boat too. Yeah, absolutely. So real quick, I just found a tweet. Um, it is from Dave Matter. He says, Caleb Love told reporters he made his mind up on North Carolina after returning from his visit there two weekends ago. He said that's when he called and I'm probably going to butcher this name, Quanzo Martin, to tell him his decision, added, it was real tough. I probably had the best relationship with Missouri. So that means he made his decision the same weekend that Walker Kessler made his decision. Yep. Interesting. That's pretty awesome. It is awesome. And, I mean, more so the fact that, like, that wasn't even really a basketball weekend. It was just the App State game, basically. Yeah. Um, and then just being on campus in general, of course. But, you know, it, it wasn't quite the fanfare that was rolled out for late night. And they still both came to that conclusion, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I mean, and just imagine what impacted possibly had just late night and the Clemson game and everything like that. Like imagine the impact that that probably had on the kids that did not decide yet, because I mean, just me as a fan, I feel like the whole weekend was incredible. It, It just, that was peak UNC athletics. I feel like everybody coming out, being passionate, being really cordial to all the players when they'd see them, the standing ovation that they got, the standing ovation Kobe got, and all of that stuff. Like it just, it was just so perfect. It was a really good selling point. And I feel like Carolina kind of did all that they could do to sell the university and the program and the environment to those players, ultimately they have to decide what's best for them. But I think everything went as perfectly as it could as far as things that could be controlled. And hopefully they make the decision we all want them to make. Yeah, hopefully. 
Tanya, did you have anything else in regards to our newest Tar Heel? I think that's all I got. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, we are going to switch gears and talk some football. Um, Hopefully we will. uh, This conversation actually will go a lot better than last week's. We can talk about it with a straight face. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. So, Tanya, let's talk some Carolina football. Let's. Yeah. So, UNC will be traveling to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech, who has not been very good this year so far. Um, Their record is now one in three. Yeah. with a win against USF, but losses against Clemson, Citadel, and Temple. Ouch. Yeah. Um, their most recent game against, it was on the road at Temple, and they lost 24-2. Good God. Against Temple. So that's not great. Um Carolina is currently a ten and a half point favorite to win the game. That is easily Carolina's most favorable spread of the year so far. Um, it's only the second game they've been a favorite in. If all things go according to plan, this should be, dare I say, Carolina's easiest game of the season so far. It should be. Um, yeah, it's just, and one of the things about this game that is probably going to play a massive role is that Georgia Tech is down their best wide receiver and they're also down their starting center. And we as Carolina fans know what happens when you have to replace your starting center in your lineup. It's not fun. However, their quarterback doesn't throw, so the wide receiver part, who knows? I mean, literally, their quarterback has thrown for 192 yards this season, and 100 of those came against Temple, in which they scored two points. Yeah, and you know, I was just looking at some of those numbers. Apparently, they've mixed up a few quarterbacks. Like, they've had some people kind of in and out. Um, that have been thrown, but even still, one quarterback in four games throwing for 192 yards. What? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's understandable because he's only had 32 attempts. Still, uh, they're only averaging 126 yards in the air per game, so they're not throwing the ball that much. No, no, it's. It's pretty bad. Um, yeah, it's just it's just bad. <laughs> and they're only scoring thirteen and a half points a game. That's right, not great either. So, yeah, like I'm definitely hesitant to put the cart before the horse. Carolina is coming off three straight losses. Um, however. Just looking at what the two teams have done on paper to this point, um, it should work in Carolina's favor. They are averaging 
over 100 more total yards per game. Uh, Obviously, Sam Howell has been throwing the ball more than Georgia Tech quarterbacks have. Georgia Tech is averaging slightly more rushing yards, but it's super close. It's 163 yards a game to 154 yards a game. So, coin flip there. Um, But, yeah, like... It it should at least be a game where Carolina does not need, like, fourth-quarter heroics. And that in itself is a win, in my opinion. Um, but terrible things have happened in Atlanta before, so they definitely can't, like, overlook it or kind of come into it with, like, a very – big letdown over the emotional high of the close call against Clemson. They're still going to have to play, but hopefully this is a game where we see some real progress from the offense. I would love to see them play like a complete game. I feel like they've been pretty good in the first quarter and really good in the fourth quarter, but everything in between has been sketchy. And I would love to see just like a complete game out of the offense. Um, And hopefully the defense isn't going to have to work quite as hard as they've had to work against some of these other really tough offenses. Yeah. I think this game is going to tell us a lot about this team because I don't know about you, but I'm really trying to see if they actually play Georgia Tech like they played Clemson or if they play Georgia Tech like they are playing Georgia Tech. Right. They they have to they can't play down to their opponent. And I'm not saying that like Carolina is amazing and Georgia Tech is terrible, but Carolina has at least had more success to this point in the season than Georgia Tech has and they can't like go in with that mindset that like oh this is an easy win because like I said, terrible things have happened in Atlanta before. So don't make that mistake. Don't fall into that trap. Now would be a good time to right the ship. Um, I feel like Georgia Tech is the first game in a stretch of games where Carolina can really get themselves back on track. Um, but they have to start here and they really cannot afford to have kind of like that emotional letdown game that sometimes can be easy to have after you have what is sort of like your mental Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and with this being a game within the coastal, it's that much more important. You don't want one of your losses to be essentially wasted for lack of a better word against Georgia Tech because there's going to be tougher opponents down the road easily, easily are going to be harder opponents. And so this is just one of those games that you have to knock out of the park and keep moving. Um, Yeah. We talked about that in the last podcast. Like it, it very well could come down to UNC versus Virginia for the coastal. And in order to make that a thing, Carolina has to hold serve for the next three games, which means beating Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Duke. That is possible, 
but Georgia Tech is probably easily the worst of those three. So they just can't afford to get off to a bad foot here. No, not at all. Um, I almost don't know what else to say about it. It's one of those games where it's just like, you just have to win. You just have to win. Hey, are you listening? You just have to win. Just win this somehow. Like I, Up to this point, every other game was just like, if you lose this, it's fine. Because we kind of had it in our heads that this team could possibly go 0-5 to start the year, and then everything after that could go either way. Um, But now that we're out of that stretch and they are, in fact, not 0-5, we have gotten to the we have seen you do something that tells us that this particular game, you just can't lose it. It's pure and simple. So, And, I mean, for me, I feel like this is a really good game to kind of experiment a little bit with the things that have not gone super well to this point. Brandon, we were talking earlier today that um, Phil Longo said that the Clemson game sort of show to him that they can open things up a little bit more with the offense. I want to see them do that. And Georgia Tech is a good opponent to try and do that against, to see like what this offense can do if they are allowed to play sort of without being ultra conservative. Yeah. See that happen. Yeah. And he attribute, he attributed, kind of their conservativeness to what uh, he didn't say it straight out, but I think what he was alluding to was that they were playing it a little safe because of the offensive line, which I I don't really know if I, I, I don't know how I feel about that logic, but either way, the offensive line did really well against Clemson. Um, that's not to say that they were perfect, but they played really well against Clemson who has that ridiculous front seven or front seven. So now that they have been through that, it's one of those things where you really have to put faith in them the rest of the way, because it's just like, well, who else are they going to play where they're facing that caliber of a defense? Right. And I mean, I I totally get that they've wanted to play it a little bit safe to this point, um, but that's exactly why it seems like the Georgia Tech game would be a good game to pull out a few more of the stops because, again, if everything goes according to plan, you can afford to make a couple mistakes and still win. Whereas, like, against Clemson – you had to play a perfect game to win, and Carolina almost did. But against Georgia Tech, you should not have to play a completely perfect game. So now is a good time to kind of experiment a little bit more and try new things and maybe let Sam Howell loose a little bit more than you would have when you were in games that you knew you had to play a little bit more perfectly. 
Exactly. Uh, so with this game, UNC is favored by 10.5 points. ESPN's matchup predictor has UNC as the 84% favorite. Uh, in terms of points per game, UNC has 24. Georgia Tech has 13. Points allowed, UNC 24. Georgia Tech, 28. With that in mind, Tanya, I am setting us up for this one question. What do we think the final score of the game will be? I am going to go out on a limb and say it will be... Thirty-five to seventeen. Ooh. Yeah, that's my that's my score. That's a spicy score. I believe. Yeah. I think my final score is going to be I'm also going to say 35, but I'm going to say 10. That is even a spicier score. It is even spicier. It's one of those things where I have a tremendous amount of faith in Jay Bateman's defense right now. Yeah, I do too. And and to to be clear, I think a decent chunk of the scores that I'm predicting come in garbage time. Yeah. So I feel like the defense gets to let their foot up off the gas in the fourth quarter and they allow a couple garbage time scores. And that makes sense because they, they haven't had to do that yet. Um, right. Or not had to, they haven't had the opportunity to yet. They have and not so- had the good fortune of doing that yet. Yeah, exactly. So it's very possible that it, that ends up happening. I really hope that they just make a statement out of this game somehow, some way. But also I understand that you want to keep your players healthy. So there's a chance that your final score is probably more within a realistic ballpark. Um, but yeah, I, I look, I'm tired of picking UNC and them losing. So I'm hoping that my fortune changes this Saturday. Haven't you only picked them one time? I've picked them one twice. Time. No. I no. thought. I'm I picked, picked them against I didn't pick them against Wake. I don't think so. Oh. I think you picked you only picked them against Appalachian State if I'm remembering correctly. I could have sworn that I'd pick them against Wake. Huh. Well, at any rate, I, I need them to win when I pick them, so that that's the important thing to me. The Clemson game was the first time that I'd picked against them this season, and no part of me would have been happier to be wrong. Like, I... I was so hoping that I would be wrong in that, and I I almost was wrong. But we're going to try to get this thing back on track and have my optimism not just be blind optimism. And I, I believe, I, I think that 
I think it'll be finally a game where we don't have to like be on the edge of our seats considering calling in like blood pressure medication. I hope, I pray, but if it all goes well, we should not have to need any of that. Yeah, let's hope. So one quick thing before we go, uh, Tanya, should we discuss this video board issue that the school ended up sending an apology about today? Since this is a hot take podcast, I feel like we absolutely have to discuss that. And let me just be the first to say that apologizing is lame. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all of it was in good fun. Like, the commentary was not mean-spirited. It was just like, ha-ha, this person's probably never been to Clemson. Ha-ha, this person probably doesn't know where Clemson is. Like, all of that stuff is just sports fan stuff. I I get why, like, you don't want to offend anyone and all of that stuff. But, like, no one should have been offended. It was It was funny. Like, I would think it was funny if I was an opposing fan. Like, none of that stuff's serious. I think it's, it's not. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah. I I feel like the first thing that I should say is that it, it sounds like somebody had complained directly to the school. Um, I'll let, I will give credit to Bubba Cunningham for responding to it um, in a pleasing to said uh, disgruntled fandoms yeah um (laughs) all of that uh with that out of the way i feel like if you've been to any professional sports game you've seen all the time right and so with that in mind i feel like complaining about it is just weird and also one of those then why are you here type things like we even sat in front of somebody that was complaining every time the guy went first down tar and then everybody yelled heels. He just kept saying like, God, I hate this and so on and so forth. It's like, why are you here then? What I'm saying kind of in all of that is if you're going to go to an away game, you should prepare to have to deal with whatever that home team has as long as it's not something malicious and super problematic, which I don't think any of that was. Right, exactly. And there's definitely a line that it could cross to where it's mean-spirited. I just don't think it was. Like, I mean, half of the things were just amusing. Like, oh, you don't know Clemson's like – last head coach or like probably also a Patriots fan. Like all that stuff's just a joke. Like it's, it's not, it's not malicious. And I feel like you shouldn't apologize for what's all in good fun. Like, again, I, I always think that you should be sensitive to other people's feelings, but I don't feel like any of that should have had any impact on anyone's feelings um so i kind of wish that we hadn't apologized for it because it's just 
fun. And I think someone said in our Slack channel that they don't think Clemson fans would have been upset if it was a blowout like they expected. And I think there's probably a lot to that. Um, I just don't feel like it's necessary to apologize for something that was not harmful in any way. Um, I kind of wish that we had not apologized for it, but they did. And I, I would hate to see that kind of like fun thing taken away, which it almost certainly will be now. I doubt we'll ever see it again. And that's a shame because, I mean, the atmosphere in Keenan has been lacking for the last couple years, and I feel like everyone kind of got a kick out of what was going on. So that part's unfortunate. And, yeah, I just I wish that uh, everyone could just lighten up a little bit because it was definitely not meant in any kind of, like, rude way. It's kind of just the sports fan like poking fun that is probably to be expected yeah I think the only thing that I'll say to kind of put a bow on the situation is within the ACC during the NCAA investigation there were some there was just a lot of things said about the program especially players and I think when we talk about what was said about players in terms of like they didn't go to class and da 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 da, I'm not saying that that stuff was necessarily more malicious in a like anybody's life was in danger type of way. But what I do want to get across in all of this is just that in the grand scheme of things, what happened Saturday is nothing. It was just like what happens, like we were talking about at other pro sports, like they do that whole thing where they'll show somebody that's wearing an away jersey, they'll pick a little fun at them, but it's nothing all that serious. Um, but my thing is, where was this when it was actually claiming that players that work really hard in the classroom and on the court weren't actually working hard in the classroom? And I know that takes it to a serious level, but I feel like everything that kind of revolves around what UNC does or doesn't do, like, I'm not saying they should be cut some slack, but what I am saying is that it's a little hypocritical for really any fan base within the ACC because I know they've all done it more or less there might be some that haven't really stooped to that level but i feel like there's been much more unsavory stuff that's happened and with that in mind it's like we apologize for this it's just something to think about right and i don't know i think that I'm just repeating myself at this point, but I think there's a line. I don't think Carolina crossed the line with what they were doing. So I don't feel like there was any need to apologize. I understand apologizing out of like an abundance of caution, I guess, but it just sucks that people are kind of going to get something that was fun taken away because like 
some people were being overly sensitive. Because like, are you, are you were... really upset because your picture was on the video board with them saying, like, you thought Clemson was in Georgia? Like, that's that's what you're mad about? While you were either losing or tied, I don't even remember which, but it's like, that's it? That's why you're mad? Okay. Sure. I mean, if that's all you have to be mad about in the year of our Lord 2019, lucky you, I guess. Clemson fans, I will welcome you in the arms of a nice Carolina fan if you come for basketball. But just know I will be judging you with my eyes. Also, please understand the difference between punching up and punching down. Like, if Carolina basketball did that, it would probably be punching down. But when it's Carolina football against the number one team in the country, it's definitely punching up. So there's a big difference between those things. And I think punching up is is usually in good fun. Punching down is never okay. So, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't think it would be necessarily good for like the Dean Dome video board to go find Clemson fans and like rag on them. But like when it's the number one team in the country, I feel like it's fair game. And I feel like it should be fair game against Carolina in basketball that way. Like, the same way it would be for Duke or Kentucky or whatever. Like those teams that are like perennially good, you should be able to punch up against them. And teams have punched up against us. Maybe not in such a widespread fashion during a game, but I mean, there's this new thing on Twitter where we're a bunch of Walmart fans and whatever, which honestly it's a little bit of a compliment considering the fact that you're basically saying that people are becoming fans because Carolina is good. Well, yeah, because Carolina is good. And also, not everybody can get into Carolina. It's a little tough for people like me that came from Illinois. So, you know. And, like, that is all okay. I just feel like... I don't know. Like I said, there's a there's a big difference between punching up and punching down, and this was very clearly punching up. You just won the national championship. Yeah. Right. Maybe relax. Yeah. Brandon, do you have anything else for this episode? No. I think we've covered pretty much everything that we wanted to cover. Also, Caleb, I want your autograph. Okay, that's it. Super professional. Yeah. Tell the people where they can find you online. <laughs> um, you can find me at THB Brandon. And you can find me at Tanya Bondurant or at Tar Hill Blog. We'll be back on Sunday slash Monday to recap the Georgia Tech game, which will hopefully be a victory. And in the meantime, go Heels. Go Heels. <laughs>